You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gilpackers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. We're going to kick things off today with a listener question from Joshua Guido. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Thank you for sending in this question, Joshua. He writes, might delays with Rogers contract restructure slash extension have to do with the front office not wanting to undercut Jordan loves value before he has any tape from preseason games. So this question, I I guess if if you buy the premise, I guess baked into that would be the premise also that you think the Packers want to move on from Jordan love to which I would point to them moving on from Tim Boyle and say, you know, they only have one backup quarterback right now, Jordan Love. I would think if they're planning on moving on from him, uh, a guy like Tim Boyle, who's been in the system for quite a while, had a chance to really learn what they um, are trying to do, would make sense to hold on to him. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Gil? I haven't really seen anything from the Packers to indicate that they are even contemplating moving on from Jordan Love. Yeah, I don't think that – well, okay, I'll, I'll break it down this way. I agree with you. I don't think they're moving on from Jordan Love. I think that for certain backers of Aaron Rodgers, it's almost like wishful thinking. Like they're going to give Rodgers everything he wants. They'll move on from Jordan Love. They'll extend his contract after that. And, you know, Aaron will finish his career in Green Bay and live happily ever after, as they say. But – uh I don't think there's any indication that they're going to do that. The caveat I would use is that if they were going to do it, it does make sense to wait until after he plays in the preseason, assuming he does well when he does. Yeah. And I mean, maybe the, maybe the Packers are just playing things really close to the chest and are pretending that they still are really high on love. Um, and actually saw stuff from him last off season that was really disappointing or alarming. And they're just trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes and, you know, swindle some team into, you know, trading for him. I just, I think that they mean what they say. Uh, Goody in particular has always just been a, you know, he says a lot of things that we, and the media immediately assume are false, that he's lying. We assume that he's lying, and then he never is. <laughs> and then we act surprised when he does exactly. I mean, look, Pre- uh, re-signing Preston Smith is one of the most obvious ones. We never thought for a moment that uh, Preston Smith was going to you know, have another shot <laughs> this year with the team. 
Uh, you know, but he kind of said in a in a uh, press conference that, well, yeah, Preston's under contract with us right now, so we certainly expect him to be here. And we're like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah, you're you're obviously just trying to hype him up for a trade. Oh no, he actually planned on keeping him, and and he did. So, uh, yeah, to me, I'm looking at this. I don't see any indication that the Packers are considering moving on from Jordan Love. I think Matt Lafleur is still really high on him. Um, whether he is their future uh franchise quarterback that is up to love and his development uh andrew brant former packers executive has said multiple times he doesn't think there's any chance in the world that jordan love will not be the starter eventually because as he says for uh first round quarterbacks play you don't sit him so uh, that's his opinion whether he is correct or not uh remains to be seen uh the Packers are, are certainly for now appear to be just continuing to work with Jordan on his development. Um, but it is an interesting uh, thought exercise. And I, you know, the, a lot of speculation going on about why the Packers have not extended Aaron Rodgers when you could be lowering his cap hit, um, freeing up some uh, money to go get some free agents or, or retain your guys next year. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, the Packers don't know what they're doing either. Not in the sense of they are clueless, but in the sense of they haven't made their mind yet because they don't need to, uh, it's not, not time yet that you have to make a decision. And, and I think that, uh, clearly when they drafted Jordan love Rogers quality of play was not what it previously had been. And then he went out and won MVP and that changes the equation a bit. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, again, it really depends. There's a lot of variables here. Uh, how quickly does love develop scouts originally said it would take him at least two or three years before he would be ready to play that he had a lot of raw talent checked off almost all the boxes that you wanted in a quality starting quarterbacks physically, and mentally, but needed more time to put it all together to work on his mechanics a little bit. And then last year, no preseason, abbreviated training camp, no OTAs, et cetera, et cetera, does not even take a snap, isn't even active on game day in any of the, uh, you know, 18 uh, regular season plus playoff games that the team played. So There's so many unknowns. I cannot imagine that they would be trading him now when his value would not be as high as it would be if he has a good preseason. It's too soon to think about trading Jordan Love uh, unless things blow up with Aaron Rodgers. And I don't necessarily think that's going to happen as much as the media loves to speculate about it. Right. And. You know, so this does circle back to Joshua's question of, well, are they waiting for preseason games this year to, you know, uh, add value to Jordan Love since right now his value to any other team uh, in a trade would appear to be at an all time low just because there's he, he has not had any opportunity to give you a reason to trade for him. Right. Uh, there was there was no preseason last year. None of our none of 
I mean, hardly anybody's rookies at all had a chance to develop the way they should. Uh, the ones who did, like Justin Jefferson with the Vikings, were able to because there was nobody ahead of them on the depth chart who could play, and so they had to be out there and learning on the on the fly right. in real time games. And also, that's just vastly different than a uh, a quarterback, especially, and 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 then not to mention a quarterback who was always going to be a project that, you know, there's a reason he <clears> fell to the end of the first round. And it's because everybody looked at him and said, yeah, he has the, you know, tools that you really like, but somebody needs to develop him. And look, let's not forget how much work uh, Mike McCarthy put in with Aaron Rodgers in uh, his quarterback school, uh, working with him for several off seasons uh, to become a guy that they felt comfortable turning the reins over to. I, I don't think that, that the Packers, at the time they drafted him, uh, would have felt comfortable making him a, a starter right away, which is why I think it, you know it's ridiculous. You get guys like uh, Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football loves to take every opportunity to dunk on the fact that Jordan Love didn't start any games last year, which I think is ridiculous <laughs> you have you have an mvp quarterback and you're mad that the rookie quarterback is not starting any games exactly Grow up. exactly plus which you know what even if aaron Rodgers did not have an mvp uh, year last year every scout knew that jordan love was a developmental first round pick that you could take him he has first round talent but he wasn't ready to start as a rookie and so you know even if Rodgers would have gotten hurt. They would have gone to Boyle first and maybe because Boyle has had multiple years in the system. He's very familiar. He's done a lot of work. I Absolutely. I don't care if I don't care that, you know, if it was um, uh, a guy like Daniel Jones that they drafted at that point uh, instead of Jordan Love, Tim Boyle has been there longer. They had no preseason or off season or anything that you could do anything with. Tim Boyle was, in a position where he was ready to take over if you needed him, which spoiler alert, they never did. Jordan love was never, he was never going to be in a position where uh, from a standpoint of being familiar with the scheme, familiar with what Matt LaFleur wanted that he could compete with no off season with Tim Boyle. A absolutely correct. At the end of the day, if you look at, the question last year of which backup quarterback gave you the best chance to win if, heaven forbid, something happened to Aaron Rodgers, the answer last year was clearly Tim Boyle. And everybody knew that before even the preseason got canceled and training camp got abbreviated. So, yeah, that, that that's just, again, people speaking to so that they can be heard and, and attention is paid to them uh, when they're talking about something that's going to stir up a little controversy. But in reality, there's no, there is no there there, as they say. All right. Let's start talking about the draft because we have one week to go. Um, we're recording on this on Thursday, which means in seven days and just a couple hours, uh, there will either be a new Packer or the Packers will have traded back out of the first round. We will uh, and, uh, find out. We will. And uh, after all the speculation and all the analysis, we are finally getting to what is unquestionably the most important three days of the offseason 
every year. So uh, championships are not won on draft day, but they are built on draft day. And I, for one, am looking very much forward to uh, seeing what happens after this unusual offseason for the Packers. And I'll add a caveat, too. I think future championships are built in this year's draft. Uh, I, I am not expecting any players from this draft to necessarily, outside of maybe your first or second round pick, I'm not go, go, going in with any high expectations that guys you draft this year are going to be you know, major contributors on the team in a way that they're the difference between you winning or losing a Super Bowl. No, I, I agree with you. It, but what you hope to get is is role players who can contribute in some small way, whether it be special teams or in dime packages or as a designated pass rusher or, you know, maybe you get that uh, that jet sweep screen pass kind of running back that that you're looking for. You know, you can get guys in 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 the later rounds that can help you win some games this year, but only playing a limited role under specific circumstances. Uh, the Packers especially really like to stock up on a lot of talent that, you know, you look at their previous drafts and it's clear from looking at the highly athletic types of guys, especially some you know, guys who are more developmental, but have all these athletic tools. The Packers clearly view the draft as talent acquisition. You know, the more talent we can stock this team up with, uh, you know, that, that is our job as the you know executive um, and the scouting department here. And then it's up to the coaches then to obviously turn that into winning games. And for that reason, the Packers have always been a team that cares a lot about the later rounds. That was certainly a Ted Thompson thing. Um, you know, he Ted Thompson famously did not spend a lot of time on those early round prospects and spent a lot of time combing through the later rounds trying to find dudes that he really believed um, had a really high potential and you get the, the big question that comes up. Do you draft for need or do you draft best player available? And with the Packers particularly, I am inclined to say that I think the answer is a bit of both. Right. And I think the earlier on in the draft, you have a little bit more flexibility to try and draft for need. And later you draft best player available. But that I don't think that's true every year either. I think sometimes it's, it's flipped a little bit. I think I think uh, you know we know that the Packers' number one rule when it comes to the draft is trust the board. They put together this, this massive big board, you know, ranking who do they feel are, are the best players in order, and you take the top guy on your board who's left regardless. And you know you get a situation like last year where. Jordan Love was significantly higher on their draft board than um, the guys that they thought were going to be around at pick 30. And they felt that, you know, he was within trading reach, that they it was worth it to them that they needed to trade up and get that guy because of where they had him ranked on their board. 
Yeah, that and and he was, you know, supposedly the last first round value guy in their top tier that was left on the board when they made the move to trade up and grab him. So, you know, it's always a combination. And I think in, instead of uh, sort of asking whether you vote, just take the best player available or you go with position, a lot of the time the question you need to ask is what player that's left on the board gives us the most impact vis-a-vis our current roster. So, you know, if if you have two guys who you think are worthy of the 29th overall pick, one of them is at a position that will have a bigger impact on your team this year, maybe that is the tiebreaker when you have two guys ranked roughly evenly. Hmm, that's an interesting idea. And to counter that, I would kind of throw out Rashawn Gary because they had just signed the Smith brothers, I think you would argue at that point edge was a position of significant strength. I would, if it were me doing the drafting, I would downgrade Rashawn Gary right there um, for that same reason that you just mentioned and say, eh, edge is not nearly as important as some of the other positions we could draft around here. Right. Right. Well, but edge is a position of emphasis uh, for the Packers and you know, the other thing is they have certain athletic uh, standards that they like to meet, especially earlier in the draft, whether it's height, cone time, uh, speed, change of direction. You know, there's so many, d- depending on the position, there are That's true. so many yeah. factors that go in there. And Gary was just an athletic freak as far as his numbers were concerned. Uh, you know, he had some outstanding overall numbers. So, you know, and, and another thing that the Packers value, and again, it depends on the position, uh, when it comes, for example, to offensive linemen, uh, versatility. Boy, do they love guys who could play multiple positions, whether they're signing them as free agents or whether they're selecting them in the draft. So, you know, there are certain things they look for at different positions, and it, it, it all gets put together into one big package. And then you have to see how the draft unfolds and who's available and you know that that this is where GMs earn their money and scouts. This is this is it. This is why they get paid the big bucks. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and you brought up a good point that the Packers um, definitely value certain positions. You know, at a massive premium. I think edge rusher, corner, the you know quarterback. These are positions that they bump guys up considerably because of the position they play. And even though they already had two uh, edge rushers, I think they looked at Gary and his freak athleticism and the position that he played. Like you said, it was so important to them. He was the highest player on their board at that point, and and that's why they went with him. You know, one question that we're going to have to take a look at is what schools do the Packers like drafting from? Uh, Minnesota is the school they've drafted players from the most all time uh, according to the media guide I, I was just looking that up like a couple of weeks ago so the university of minnesota is numero uno that's really interesting uh, another one i'm gonna throw out is michigan uh, they have a couple different free agents from michigan but they also drafted rashawn gary of course john runyon uh desmond howard and, and charles woodson weren't drafted but they were michigan guys who who ended up as packers Michigan has a couple of players this year that I think are really talented, yeah. but are, have 
have a lot of question marks around them and are not projected to go high because of how few games they played. Yep. There's a wide receiver. There's a running back. The wide receiver and the running back are the two guys that I'm interested in. Right. Chris Evans, running back. Yep. Uh, Chris Evans and Nico Collins are the two guys I'm thinking. Yeah, Collins I like. But probably Chris, third or fourth round. I like I, I like Nico Collins as well. Uh, Chris Evans is kind of the guy I know a little bit more about. If you, if you have some info on Nico Collins you want to share. One of the things about Chris Evans that is interesting and he has some red flag issue. He missed a year due to suspension for some reason. He also has struggled with some injuries. But Chris Evans was one of the few running backs who hit a lot of the different metrics that the Packers draft picks tend to uh, meet when it comes to production and athleticism. He was up there kind of in the same tier with uh, like a Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. I, I would be surprised if the Packers don't have Chris Evans pretty high on their board, unless they are, con- you know, concerned about his, you know, the suspension and the injuries. Chris Evans, I could see he he might fall all the way to the sixth or seventh round, is what it's looking right, like right now, mm-hmm. late day three. Definitely a guy that would fit the mold of who the Packers like to take flyers on. And then uh, Nico Collins, something super interesting about him is the massive amount of targets that he received, the the target share. Uh, Something like 34 or 35% of targets uh, for Michigan went to Nico Collins, which is kind of wild. And, you know, again, he's – just has not been real highly rated because Michigan was kind of stinky this year and they didn't play very many teams. I mean, you even see, uh, you know, a lot Ohio state usually has just a, an absurd number of guys in the draft, uh, especially guys who go really high. And this year is going to be kind of record low for the number of guys that are projected to be drafted by the, or drafted from Ohio state this year because of the big tens, you know, pretty pathetic schedule that they played this year. Yeah. And I, I, there's just not a lot of tape on these guys. No, there isn't. And then COVID canceled some late season games. It, it, it was, it was a, it was a mess. But uh, at the end of the day, I think they'll probably have some guys surprise you. Now, if I'm not mistaken, didn't uh, Nico Collins opt out last year? Didn't play at all. Uh, yep. He opted out of last year. Look, Nico Collins, fits the mold of the kind of guy that the media is really low on and the Packers are really high on. Yep. And look, I, I said last year that with the limited information that teams were going to have because they canceled the combine and all that, and you had to rely so much more heavily on tape. I said that I thought you would see the better drafting kind of smarter teams would make picks of guys that you kind of didn't really know. How many of the Packers picks outside of Jordan Love had you even heard of <laughs> before they took him last year? Right. Most of the rest of the of the entire draft, especially from the kind of crappier teams, they drafted basically exactly who the media said they would draft, which never happens. The media is never that right, but they were pretty right last year. And I think a big part of it is because a lot of these um, suckier teams did not have as much uh, easily accessible data available to them as they usually do. And so the the teams that are really, really good at scouting had a distinct advantage over them. 
because they weren't looking, they weren't leaning so heavily on stuff like the combine. And I I think you're going to see the same thing this year. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that. And and I think that when in doubt, what will happen is the teams that aren't as good as scouting are going to fall back on probably more big school guys who they have more film on Mm -hmm. from 2019. And there will probably be some real steals of Division II, of uh, smaller school players who are really talented, but teams just don't have the usual amount of uh, exposure to them because there was no combine this year, fewer games, and just stranger circumstances all the way around. Yeah, I have a list of some players that I really like. I actually was able to put together um, kind of a mock draft for myself here. And man, I love the bottom of my mock draft a lot more than the top because I just am kind of ignoring what a lot of the media is saying about these players. And especially like I I look at the red flags and if it's stuff like, well, we we just would have liked to see more of them. And so for that reason, we're digging him. I'm going, uh, all right, that, that, that doesn't in, in my book for the, for this year, I, I don't think that's a good enough reason to ding a guy who I otherwise like. So I have some some day three picks that I'm actually really high on. Okay. Starting with the the guy that I actually, in, in my little mock draft, I took dead last was running back Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana. He's a raging Cajun. Mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell, and I was relieved to hear John Meerdink of the Blue 58 podcast mention him later after I had already kind of fallen in love with him and point out that uh, Elijah Mitchell, similarly, he's up there. He's actually is the uh, only the third guy up in there in the, the top tier in his rubric of uh, measurables or metrics that Packers draft picks tend to consistently hit. He well, he only had three guys up in that top tier: Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Elijah Mitchell, who I have been really high on for a while. Forty-six touchdowns in four years, and the the whole time he was pretty split backfield. There were three backs, and he still got a lot of production. I just really like the guy. PFF likes Mitchell as well. They mentioned that he is a bigger running back, but his footwork is uh, exactly what you want to see. He's very fast. He's got a lot of burst. They have him in all uh, in 2018, 2019, and 2020. He has the lowest grade out of all three years was an 83.8, which is um, still elite. The only thing that they kind of ding him for a little bit is his gap grade, which is still a 68.8, which is you know, classified as, as good, definitely above average for some negatives that they do list about him weak competition level. Uh, they say he only has four, 44 career carries versus power five defenses. So this is something to be a little bit, uh, you know, take into consideration is that Louisiana did not play a lot of great teams, but look, you know, you can only play who you play against and he excelled against all of them. I, I mean, what, what more do you want to see from uh, a guy when he's playing, suckier teams than you know an elite grade every single year that is what you'd expect from a good player playing against those those teams yeah no i i i see a lot of things about him to like and then and then the question becomes whether he could do it against better competition 
And uh, if we're talking about running backs, you know, we, we did mention Chris Evans as a possibility from Michigan. And then another player that I would throw out there is uh, is Jarrett Patterson of Buffalo, who I think, uh, you know, again, not going to contribute a lot as a rookie, as at least not as a starter. But, you know, he could probably help on special teams. Uh, he He's a well-rounded running back. And I think in a year or two, he might be able to be uh, an RB2 if you need him to be that, if, if somebody ahead of him were to get hurt or the opportunity arose. Now, another guy that I, I want to talk about is uh, Tommy Tremble. And Tommy Tremble is not a late-round pick, but I just I, I really want to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of folks already really like Tommy Tremble. Let me just say, this is a Packers pick. We just talked last week about how tight end is kind of a sneaky position of need for the Packers that doesn't look like a position of need. I would be just over the moon if they drafted Tommy Tremble and the media would call them stupid and say, oh, you you, you already have so many uh, tight ends, you know, because 2022 does not exist in their minds. <laughs> Tommy Trimble. Let's look at uh, his cop. PFF says, in the right scheme, Trimble could very easily take the torch from Kyle Juszczyk as the league's best fullback. And if you look at Tommy Trimble's entire body of work, he is much more of an of an H-back. He, he's, he's that F position that the Packers really like. Uh, I, I'm calling it right now. Tommy Trimble is the only guy in the entire draft that I am actually predicting the Packers will draft. Wow. Uh, they may take him in the, in the third round even. Uh, PFF has him in the fourth round. The draft network has him in the second round. Uh, I, I say if he's there at their third round pick, they are taking him. I, I am pretty much confident about that. If they don't, and if they pass on him with, with their third round pick, then I think that that spells something for their intentions about the future of Bobby Tunyon and how they feel about uh, Jay Sternberger. But look, Tommy Tremble, he just checks all the boxes. I think that this is a guy they'd love to pair with Josiah DeGuara. Here's what PFF says about his strengths. He has unmatched wants to as a run blocker. Five big-time blocks in 2020. Legit speed and explosiveness. Flies off the line. <clears throat> this next part should get you excited. Elite locating in space in the run game, like a predator stalking its prey. <laughs> he has an 83.7 run block grade from PFF. His contested catch rate is 80%. That's that's crazy. <laughs> now, let me just point out, as a receiver, as a receiving tight end, he's practically useless. Um, They're not going to be throwing the ball to him much. But that's not what the Packers really want to do with that H-back position. They're, they're not going to be super heavily involved in the passing game. Right. That's also something that I, I think coaches are going to look at and say, oh, I can, I can help coach them out of that. I think teams are always going to be a little bit higher on their ability to coach uh, a guy out of something bad than uh, maybe they should be. <laughs> uh, his his, his neg negative uh, traits – no question about it. It's his receiving grade. He's also not the most shifty or agile guy. And so because of that, they put may not ever be a complete route runner. Look again, they, the Packers really want a, an H back, which is much more of a fullback type of position. They went and got Josiah DeGuara last year. 
and uh, Matt LaFleur was over the moon about him from day one. I think Tommy Tremble is going to be right up at the very top of guys that Matt LaFleur personally is going to be salivating over. Uh, well, I wanted to, to mention uh, wide receiver Nico Collins from the University of Michigan. If the Packers are looking for a receiver on day two or early on day three, he would probably fit the bill. Six foot four, 215, Green Bay tends to like larger receivers, and he certainly fits that. Now, he didn't play in 2020. He opted out, but his size really presents mismatches you know you put him up against a a cornerback who's 5'10 5'11 even six feet there is a big height advantage he's got very good speed for someone of that height and he may even you know be able to do some blocking with the right coaching uh on running plays which is something else that Matt LaFleur looks at in his uh for his wide receivers to do so I, I think that uh, that is, you know, a good middle round, late, late uh, second day, early third day of the draft kind of uh, of receiver. Uh, the fact that he didn't play in 2020 and the fact that, unfortunately, under Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's uh, offense has been a mess the last couple of years doesn't work in his favor. But you look at the tape of what he did do as a player The raw ability is certainly there. You like the measurables, the height, the size, the speed. I think this kid has a lot of potential. One last guy before we turn to our debate for the week. Another wide receiver. This would be Trayvon Grimes from uh, Florida. Uh, Big guy, 6'4", 217. Kind of fits the mold of a ton of receivers that the Packers already have on their roster. This guy is definitely like a seventh-round pick. Definitely some flaws in his game, but let's talk about some of his strengths. The draft network says that uh, he, you know, a mainstay, sorry, a mainstay as a run blocker, he provides extra value during short motions to inline positions on the backside of runs. Ideal role for him: wide receiver three or four that's used mostly as a Z receiver. Grimes can be a chain mover that's also a frequent target in the red zone. You know who this sounds to me exactly like? Go ahead. Mr. Alan Lazard. Yeah, yeah. This guy is Alan Lazard. Now, one of the things about Lazard that uh, makes him so valuable is his effort. The dude just never gives up. He is, uh, I, I, I think he's also more versatile than uh, he gets credit for. Does Grimes have some of those traits as well? A little bit hard to say from the available info. I would say I'm leaning a little bit more toward yes than toward no. Uh, but there's Grimes, especially you know being from uh, Florida and not having a, a huge role there. I think that uh, you know he's he's a guy that uh, I'd like to have a little bit more info on. But for what the Packers like to do, I see him as a, a pretty good. Uh, fit he does have below average speed uh, but he also has long strides they mentioned Um, in 2019 uh, he was not a massive part of their offense but in 2020 they say he was a more featured player and they also mentioned that he has the ball skills necessary to haul in the tough catches in man coverage situations again sounds like Alan Lazard so Grimes interests me a lot I could certainly see you know I, I don't know how uh, 
serious the Packers are about trying to add more receivers earlier on the draft. Uh, but later on, Grimes feels like a Packer to me. He feels like a Brian Gutekunst uh, receiver. And I like the tools that he has available a little bit more than some of the guys that he has, um, you know, taken a stab at recently in free agency. And then also in the draft with, uh, say, Jamon Moore and EQ. Right, right. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Debate topic for this week. All right. Got a fun one for you. Okay, Gil, you have a photo that proves irrefutably Roger Goodell is not a natural ginger. (laughs) And in in exchange for your silence, he agrees to change one terrible NFL rule at your request. How do you save football by changing one rule? (laughs) I'll let you go first. No pressure, right? I mean, (laughs) no pressure. pressure. You know what? I, the, the, the rule that I would change, get, get rid of these 10 minute overtimes. I, I would like to go back to the 15 minute full overtime. The 10 minute overtime realistically is one possession per team at most two and uh, too many ties we've had since they've introduced that. So I, I would go back to a full 15 minute overtime. I like the fact that both teams should at least get the ball once unless you know, that, that modified sudden death that they introduced, I like, but I, I would go back to a full 15 minute OT. Let, let the game play out and let's keep ties to a minimum. So in, in this scenario, does the team that loses the coin toss get a chance to have the ball? Yes. Unless the team that wins the toss scores a touchdown, I would keep that rule the way it is. So you're not changing that, that, that I'm not changing. I just want to get a full overtime period in there. Well, then my answer is easy. I'm, I'm changing that part. I think each team, I I like how they handle overtime in college. I am definitely each team gets a chance to have the ball. I, I get too frustrated with games where a, quarterback is leading until the last second and another team manages to tie it up and then that quarterback never gets the chance to win the game again because his defense allowed a you know uh, buzzer beater of a touchdown right so to me I'm, I'm doing away with that if you make it to overtime everybody gets a chance one chance at least to uh, put points on the board no, I, I, I like that. It, the, the problem I have with college overtime, though, is that the points count the same when the points are cheaper because you're starting on the opposing 25-yard line. It, it almost seems like uh, they should just say that the final score is, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be. If the game was tied 24-24 in overtime, you use the college overtime rules, and then they score three times on each team and they count those points the same as regular points. They're kind of cheaper points because of the way the rules are modified. So uh, I, I would change that aspect of it. But now that's college, not not NFL. Yeah. And look, in the pros, I mean, you see it all the time with with basketball. Look, they want higher scoring games that, you know, that is a more exciting game uh, in the league's eyes and uh translates to more butts in seats apparently yeah it does all right well fans it's time for you to weigh in which answer do you like better do you want 
Uh, can you can you summarize your your change again? It was a fifteen minute overtime. Fifteen going back to fifteen minute overtime. Yeah, going back to a fifteen minute overtime. Or do you want the team that loses the coin toss to still have the opportunity to put points on the board and retie it back up? Alrighty, so that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at. Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. And you can also find the poll for this week's debate is going to be pinned to the top of each of our profiles. Please go check it out and vote. You can email us questions at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go pack go. Go pack go. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not